0: Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies?
3: This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Friday, April 21st in Hong Kong, Thursday, April 20th in New York. And coming up today.
4: The Biden administration may be seeking to limit investment in key parts of China's economy by U.S. businesses.
3: Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the U.S. will accept economic costs to protect national security
4: interests with China. And Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester signals support for
5: another rate hike to lower inflation. Macron assures a united front with regard to China in a call with Biden. China announces more military drills, SpaceX Starship successful liftoff than malfunction, and it is blown up. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News.
4: That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Doug Krisner,
3: And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the U.S. will defend national security interests with regards to threats posed by China. Here's Yellen delivering remarks today in Washington.
0: Even though these policies may have economic impacts, they are driven by straightforward national security considerations. And we will not compromise on these concerns even when they force trade-offs with our economic interests.
3: Yellen also said that the U.S. is not seeking to decouple its economy from China. And she added that the nation will aim to seek healthy and fair economic competition with Beijing. She also said that the Biden administration will engage on issues like climate change and debt relief in the developing world. And Yellen repeated that she plans to travel to China at the appropriate time.
4: At the same time, we are being told the Biden administration is aiming to get an executive order signed by the president in the coming weeks that will limit Investment in key parts of China's economy by U.S. businesses. That story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. The administration has been debating the measure for almost two years, and it plans to take action around the time of a summit of the group of seven advanced economies that's due to start on May 19th in Japan. The U.S. has been briefing its G7 partners on the investment curbs for high-tech industries. The executive order will cover the fields of semiconductors, artificial intelligence, and quantum computing, focusing on investments where American firms play an active role in management. In New York, Charlie Pellett, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester signaled support for another rate
3: hike to lower inflation. Here's Mester speaking at the University of Akron in Ohio.
5: I anticipate that monetary policy will need to move somewhat further into restrictive territory this year. With Fed funds rate moving above 5%, And the real Fed funds rate staying in positive territory for some time. Now, precisely how much higher the Fed funds rate will need to go from here and for how long policy will need to remain restrictive will depend on economic and financial developments.
3: Mester also urged cautiousness. She said that recent financial developments could cause banks to tighten access to credit, and she warned that that could slow spending and growth. And Doug, if if you want to look at maybe one of the understatements of the day, Mester said that she sees the Fed closer to the end of its tightening journey (laughs) rather than the beginning after 500 basis points or so.
4: Well, let's stay with the banks. We heard today from Brian Moynihan, the CEO of Bank of America. He told us the bank industry is sound despite some of the recent turmoil we have seen in the sector here is Moynihan speaking earlier with Bloomberg
3: well I think in the end of the day with the crisis is too strong a word and words like that get used a lot uh, and uh, but at the end of the day there was a, a fair amount of disruption for a few weeks there well certain business models were sorted through and but on the other hand you could see and we could see the stability in the other business models
4: that is Brian Moynihan, the CEO of Bank of America. Now, his remarks follow B of A's first quarter results that were released earlier in the week. The bank's deposits fell less than analysts had expected. Customers seem to be turning to larger institutions following the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. By the way, Bank of America was among 11 companies that helped to shore up finances of that ailing First Republic Bank, a combined $30 billion in deposit infusion and of that, B of A contributed about $5 billion to the effort. Brian? Taiwan Semiconductor, or TSMC,
3: reaffirmed its target for capital spending this year. It comes despite an ongoing slump in demand for everything from smartphones to server chips. TSMC did warn that demand would remain soft for now. But it plans to spend as much as $36 billion upgrading and expanding production capacity this year. We heard from Bloomberg's Mandeep Singh.
1: They have to open overseas fabs, one in Arizona, one in Japan. They're talking about, you know, uh, production being live uh, by 2024. So clearly they are diversifying. They have no choice. And that is where the gross margin impact may show up because those fabs aren't going to be as profitable as the ones they have in Taiwan right now. So that's the longer term risk they have because as they diversify their locations and the factories, it will have an impact on their pricing and, you know, the cost structure.
3: Over the longer term, investors are hopeful that TSMC would benefit from a surge in artificial intelligence development and applications power demand. TSMC's high-end computing chips along with data centers will be required for training and hosting AI models. TSMC ADR has gained as much as 5.3 percent, the most since February 23rd. I'm Brian Curtis along with Doug Krisner. So we mentioned geopolitics. It's interesting in looking at U.S.-China and China Taiwan, certainly for for China, Taiwan is more a sovereignty story, Doug, than a semiconductor story. But for U.S. China, a lot of it does come down to those sorts of flows and business and economics. And so for Janet Yellen to say that they're willing to sacrifice on the economic side for national security really shows you that there probably is some teeth in this from the Biden administration.
4: Yes, I would agree with that. And for companies like Lam Research, we were talking about this earlier in our pre- meeting Brian that LAM yesterday was indicating that now it's received some clarification on US trade restrictions. LAM is one of the big makers of machines used to make semiconductors and so now it's going to be able to sell a little bit more of its product into China more than was previously expected so there are a number of American companies that are going to be very very much impacted by this new way of thinking.
3: I was interested to see the response from China this morning. It's actually fairly muted. Um, I'd call it a conciliatory response to Yellen's comments uh, if you look at the, uh, the uh, Global Times. Now it's a little bit early. We may see a change once officials um, come out a little bit later in the day, but getting the early reading, it referred back to uh, Chinese and U.S. commerce officials meeting last week in Beijing, and that they exchanged a lot of views on, on bilateral economic ties, a lot about climate. And a lot about debt relief, as we mentioned in our story. But it said that this re-engagement could actually lead to a kind of thawing in strained relations. Uh, so that's pretty interesting that China didn't issue vitriol uh, after the overnight comments.
4: You might remember a conversation that you and I had recently about the green movement here in the United States and the degree to which a lot of that is going to depend on green technologies, think wind turbines, think solar panels, produced in large part by China that will be used in the United States. Yeah, and rare earth uh, materials, uh, still still something that uh,
3: needs to get resolved from uh, everybody who isn't China. Well, we have Rebecca Felton coming up in a few moments, senior market strategist at Riverfront Investment Group, to take a look at the markets uh, in addition to some of these geopolitical concerns. Now it's time for global news. The presidents of the United States and France have talked about Taiwan and China in a call today. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter is covering that and has the rest of the global news from the 960 newsroom in San Francisco.
5: Ed. Yeah, Brian, as you know, relations have been at an interesting point since Emmanuel Macron's trip to Beijing and Macron promoting China's trying to maneuver peace in Ukraine. So the joint statement today says both reaffirm the importance of maintaining peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. Bloomberg's Nick Wadams. So
4: I think what you're seeing with the Biden Macron called there is more of a like hey we're on the same page don't worry we're still allied here's what we want to do toward taiwan the French position, his statement, did not represent a significant change in policy, Flip the channel back to regular programming.
5: Now, the joint statement also says they talked Ukraine and pledged continued support there. Ireland's prime minister is urging a united EU tact in dealing with China-U.S. conflict. Leo Varadkar saying Bloomberg New Economy Gateway Europe event says the EU can't be caught in the middle. Uh,
1: trade with China is very important.
5: Um, we don't want to
1: enter into any sort of political conflict uh, with China. Um, they're a competitor. They're also a partner. Um, but we do need to bear in mind that there
5: are potential risks. So, competitor, but trade partner as well. Meanwhile, China's military announcing plans to conduct at least five drills in various areas that include waters off the coast and the South China Sea. This goes along with China's escalated military and aerospace activities off its coast coast in recent days. And a group of U.S. lawmakers gathered around maps spread out on tables in a committee room on Capitol Hill last night, pretending to advise the president after a hypothetical Chinese invasion of Taiwan. Committee chair Mike Gallagher said the U.S. is well within the window of maximum danger for a Chinese invasion of Taiwan, saying it would be disastrous economic consequence for the global economy. He says Taiwan has to be armed to the teeth to prevent such an event debt ceiling freedom caucus members of the republican party demanding more cost-saving measures it's speaker kevin mccarthy's plan things dealing with medicare social security bloomberg's laura davison says it complicates the vote count He doesn't have enough.
2: You know, Manchin is sort of putting a a pin in that, saying, look, you know, that there is, uh, you know, we got to move forward with something, and McCarthy has a plan that is moving forward, uh, and that's the only ballgame in town right now.
5: And add to that, the government is reporting revenue not coming in as fast as projected, which could move the deadline up even further. SpaceX Starship. Did get off the launch pad. Remember Elon Musk saying it would be successful if it just cleared the tower, but then, minutes later,
4: As we said before, obviously we wanted
5: to make it all the way through, but to get this far, honestly, is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, an explosion. Now, SpaceX is now saying it intentionally blew up the rocket after an engine sent it into a spin. It does point out that there is quite a distance to go to get the Starship to the moon or to Mars. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg.
0: The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
2: Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote
1: that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka.
2: And I'm Skip Bronson.
3: I'm Brian Curtis, along with Rashad Salamat in Hong Kong, and our guest is Rebecca Felton, Senior Market Strategist at Riverfront Investment Group. Rebecca, you point out in your notes that the S&P 500 is up 8% year-to-date, and sometimes when we get bad economic data, we say, well, the market has kind of priced this in, but actually... The S&P 500 is really dominated by the gains in tech, and a lot of that's driven probably by the AI excitement. If you look at the equal weight, it's essentially flat for the year. If you look at the Russell 2000, it's actually flat for the year so far as well. So we've been getting the signals, but um, do you think that we, we head down from here or, or something else?
0: Well, thank you so much for having me and just listening to some of the headlines as, as we were coming into this segment. It certainly doesn't feel good, does it? I mean, this is really, there are so many negative undercurrents, and there's still a lot to go as we navigate through earnings season uh, that could point markets lower, um, because we are hearing some caution uh, from these management teams, even though many of the companies have beat uh, on the earnings expectation. That forward guidance is coming in a, a little bit more muted than we've heard in the past.
2: Rebecca, can you make, with yields where they are currently, can you make really a compelling case for broad equities?
0: Well, we believe that the balanced portfolio can. Uh, have have a good year, obviously, um, if earnings can hold in. Um, that's That still is the big question here. And we're so early into earnings season. And you think about how far growth forecasts have come down. I think for Q1 right now, consensus is at a negative 6%. And that's a far cry from where we were even at the beginning of the year. So we've got a lot of positives baked in. As we look forward to maybe a resumption of double-digit or high single-digit growth in 2024, but that's a long way from here to there. So I know that's a long-winded answer, but we're very cautious about this earnings season and the implications for the markets going forward as we emerge from it.
2: Rebecca, you could have just said, "I can't make a compelling case for broad equities."
0: <laughs> but we're neutral. We're neutral <laughs> equities right now, so we we do believe that there's opportunity. Um, we're still somewhat uh, underweight fixed income, not significantly. We've got a little bit of extra cash on the sidelines um, right yeah. now to be opportunistic. Um, you know our tactical rules are signaling neutral right now. Our outlook is more cautious than that, but we're following our process rather than our emotions on this one.
3: So it seems like you still think stock picking uh, can can be something uh, to look forward to. You say there's opportunities. So wh- where do you see the best opportunities, and is it to the short side or is it long certain <laughs> companies or sectors?
0: Well, wh- where we have been where we have been trying to be more selective is is. Playing quality, obviously strong balance sheet, cash flow companies that can pay dividends, grow those dividends, and we're I I, I am reticent to use the term barbell, but we still have a healthy weight to technology, those mega cap names that typically can weather economic cycles, um, and and sustain. Uh, Consistent revenue uh, streams. But we've also added back in some energy, some mining, um, and then in, in healthcare, we're more inclined to go into medical devices and services than we are into pharma.
3: Just briefly, does it surprise you that Europe has outperformed the U.S. and almost everywhere this year?
0: Well, it, it is surprising and we have remained somewhat underway international um, because their economies are still um, emerging from the pandemic at a slower pace than ours. Uh, you saw probably some of the inflation news uh, coming out of uh, Europe today. UK inflation was 10%, I think. Um, so they're, they're Uh, central banks are going to have to maybe do as much or more as we're doing to curb inflation. And so it feels like that snapback was more rotation into value, which those indices are heavier into value than than ours being more tech heavy. And so it seems like it was more of a a rotation than it was anything based on fundamentals.
2: Rebecca, you also at the moment looking at perhaps a mild recession or perhaps a slightly deeper one for the third quarter.
0: Mm Um. It, you know, when you think about the global economies. When you think about how precarious things are, it, it is likely we believe that we will have a global recession in the back half of this year or maybe early 2024. But where we are right now in the U.S. with growth, it, it's it's not there yet. You know, the GDP numbers are probably going to be very strong, although the leading economic data that came out today was very discouraging. It was, a, I think, negative 1.2, and that was that was pretty rough.
3: So, so, is that the centralized key question? Is uh, are we are we heading into a mild recession or a deep one? Rather than can we avoid it? Is that sort well, we, of the, the crux of it?
0: Well, we think that if we go into a recession, um, it will be mild because of how strong U.S. corporations have have maintained throughout the period coming out of the pandemic. And even though we're worried about the consumer, net-net, the consumer is in a very strong position as it relates to overall debt levels, um, certainly employment levels at this juncture. There's a lot to be encouraged about, um, and, and we do believe that if we have a recession here in the U.S., it will be mild. Just very quickly,
2: is there any part of the market you think is a really, really a screaming buy? Be it, you know, a tiny little niche somewhere or something larger?
0: Um, no, I mean, we again the sectors that I mentioned where we're um, more interested in in leaning into, but we are not overweight really any particular sectors at this juncture, um, because it is nothing in our view is. is
3: Inexpensive. <laughs> yeah. Well you mentioned mining. Um, would would mm-hmm. you would you be buying gold then, for instance? Mm-hmm. Uh, not at this time no. mm. so a lot of people look at copper versus gold uh, that ratio and uh, they don't feel comfortable about growth in the United States with, uh, with that trend line being that uh, copper is not uh, expanding as much as gold is uh, so we'll wait and see if we see that flip Rebecca thanks so much for joining us mm-hmm. Rebecca Felton there from Riverfront calling for a mild recession uh, if, if that's indeed uh, which direction we go
4: Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130.
3: Plus, listen coast-to-coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeart Radio app, and on Bloomberg.com.
4: I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka.